Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 115 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. And it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com. And I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Uh, Now, this podcast is for anyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam, or if you're thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you just became a Muslim, or if you've been a Muslim all of your life and just want to learn more about Islam, inshallah, this podcast is for you. Uh, Now, with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. And today's topic comes to us from two of our listeners. It's coming from Hassan and from Kieran. Uh, Thank you guys so much for your question. And they're basically asking about how to preach Islam to, you know, to people, to to non-Muslims and some Muslims, right? You know, how to properly educate people and what are the etiquettes and what are the methods and how should we go about it? Because the thing is, preaching Islam is not an easy task. And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, so it requires a specific, I'm not going to say set of skills, but it re- requires a sp- specific mannerisms. And we're going to talk about, inshallah, all of that. So again, thank you guys again for your question. So let's start by the obvious question, uh, or the common question, uh, I should say. Uh, who can preach Islam? Can a, 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 an average Muslim preach Islam to non-Muslims? Can an average Muslim, you know, uh, try to educate non-Muslims? And actually, like I said, and some Muslims, and now we're talking about the some Muslims, those who don't know much about the religion, so they are also included, right? So preaching Islam is not necessarily exclusive to non-Muslims. No, some Muslims need proper education. Many Muslims actually need some proper education about you know on Islam. So who is who has the right to do that? As a matter of fact, anyone can do that. Any Muslim can do that. You know, the Prophet ﷺ said in an authentic hadith, anni walaw ayah. Deliver even one verse on my behalf. One thing on my behalf regarding the religion of Islam. Just, just do it. And he's talking to all of the Muslims. Now, but there are still conditions. So any Muslim can do this. There's no, you know, privileged type of Muslims who can do this. You need to have some bare minimum requirements for you to start educating people on Islam. And also, we need to know that educating people or talking to people or preaching Islam to people comes in levels. So some people could go into like the surface, like what is Islam from, you know, the surface, uh, what is uh, what Muslims should do in terms of like the acts of worship? Pray five times a day, you know, fast Ramadan, uh, pay zakah. They, you know, if their money is above, you know, the the minimum threshold, and uh, and you know, do Hajj when they're capable. All these things, right? These are anything that again, average Muslim could tell. Uh, uh, anybody who is interested in Islam Again, like I said, non-Muslims and Muslims sometimes However, the average Muslim who knows basic Islam Might be confronted with a difficult situation Like if he's, let's say, I'm going to give you an example of I, I, I go to a non-Muslim and, and, and then uh, Or a non-Muslim comes to me Someone who's interested in Islam and tells me Hey, uh, what 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 should you do as a Muslim in terms of the acts of worship we just mentioned? Pray five times a day, fast Ramadan, all these things. Okay. Then he asks, "What is the wisdom behind praying five times a day? Why do I have to pray five times a day?" Now, some Muslims might know the answer. Some Muslims might not, and that's what I'm talking about. Like what I mean by there are levels of preaching Islam. Some people could preach just ba- the basic idea of Islam. And this is, inshallah, the majority of Muslims can do that. However, when it gets into deeper conversations, like someone might say, what is the wisdom behind fasting? Many Muslims know, but some don't, right? Okay, why do I have to, uh, you know, uh, uh, pray five times a day? Why not four? Why is it specifically five? Why is that? Again, some people might have the answer. Some people might not. 
And it all depends on the level of knowledge. And that brings me to the first requirement to preach Islam or to educate people on Islam, which is knowledge. You must possess knowledge. Otherwise, you, you just you're just talking and telling people about your own opinions. Opinions could you know benefit people when they are just opinions. However, Islam is not just opinions. You can tell people what's right and what's wrong from what Allah told us, from what the Prophet ﷺ told us, and then you can say, well, actually, and I have an opinion on this, and you have to make it very clear when you have an opinion, like, alhamdulillah, I do here on the podcast when I say, my opinion is this and this and that, right? So, the level of knowledge, obtain knowledge. And I know I keep, uh, this is, I'm like, I sound like a broken record, but this is reality. Knowledge is everything. My dear brothers and sisters, it's everything. Knowledge gives you leverage. And by the way, when I say leverage, that doesn't mean we abuse the leverage or we can, uh, what's the word, brag about being knowledgeable more than others. That is actually un-Islamic. We're not supposed to do that. But when I mean like leverage in terms of like a deep conversation, you know, when you know about anything, and this is, again, it's the best knowledge in the world is when you know about your religion, about Islam. That is the top notch. This is the elite type of knowledge. No, nothing you could learn about could even come close, you know, to learning about Islam. However, when you learn about more things, it makes you, again, like uh, I remember, and this is um, uh, when you talk about, for example, programming. Like I, I do programming, uh, and I was in a setting, a social setting, and then. You know, someone was saying, well, I had this this program that I, I, I wrote the code for, but it was, you know, um, giving me trouble. And he was expecting no one would know. But then I started responding to him and we communicated and we started talking. And, and then the guy looked at me like, oh, wow, like kind of, okay, cool. Like now we can communicate. And, and, and again, it makes knowing knowledge is important because number one, it makes people take you seriously. When you're talking about something and you don't know what you're talking about, but you keep just trying to make up facts, people lose respect for you. But when you talk out of, you know, knowledge, people, you know, respect you. And again, the, the purpose is not to gain respect. The purpose is to be believable. When you possess the right knowledge and people verify. So when I come to you guys and tell you something, right, you go and you verify you be like, okay, then I say something else, and you, then you go and verify. And then you say, do you know I'm not making up stuff, or I'm not telling you things without me, myself, you know, verifying it first? And that is key. That is critical. You have to be uh, the source. Now, if you want to become, because preaching means that you are somehow, on a, you know, on a certain level, the source of knowledge, right, to certain people. So if if I, for example, have the story of the night of Isra and Maraj, right, the 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 night journey and the ascension, we talked about this in in the last season. Now, if I go and tell people that story in detail, like you know, Alhamdulillah was mentioned in the books of Sirah, what happens? I am telling people something that I know for a fact. I'm not making up stories. I'm not making up fairy tales. I'm telling people something that I learned and verified from multiple sources that this is the authentic narrated story by the Prophet ﷺ himself. You guys understand. So that makes you credible with people. And once you are credible with people, this is a big responsibility. Preaching Islam, teaching, even sharing, like, like right. I'm not preaching, like right here, yes, I'm talking to you about Islam. I'm trying to convince you to do the right thing. However, I, I just share my knowledge with you. I leave the choice up to you. I don't force people to embrace Islam. I don't force Muslims who are not praying to pray. I just tell you the consequences. I tell you what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, what the Prophet said, and I leave the choice up to you. I cannot force you to make your decision. So to me, I'm sharing my knowledge and the purpose of it is educating you at the same time, preaching Islam to you, but without forcing it. You, you, you guys get it? All I'm telling you is information that comes from the Quran and the Sunnah, sometimes from the scholars when, like we said, some things are sometimes vague and very minor stuff. 
are vague in the Quran and the Sunnah. So the scholars, you know, come to a conclusion and then we talk about the differences and all these things. That's it, simple. And when I have an opinion, I say, I follow this opinion or if, you know, I think this about this matter or and so forth. That is it. That is so simple. And you cannot talk to people about your religion when you're lacking knowledge of that religion. Do you understand? So you can't go ta- tell people that they should pray when you're not praying yourself. That is hypocritical, number one. Number two, you won't be sincere. And sincerity is a different part, but I'm just talking about the knowledge part. You need to know about your religion. You need to know the, about the Prophet ﷺ because, well, here's, here's the situation. I, when I started, you know, educating people, alhamdulillah, and sharing my knowledge with people regarding Islam, uh, I started, I, the podcast came later on, actually. I started with, with, with in-person classes that I was giving to, you know, high, you know youth in, in high school and, and people who just, you know, went to college and all these things, right? And because of, you know, the age gap and all these things, we connected immediately. Now, I had to, uh, uh, you know, answer a lot of questions because, again, this is, the you know, college and, and, and high school. So they have a lot of Questions that are coming from the Western society. Like, for example, the age of Aisha. Why did the Prophet marry a young girl? Right? One of the biggest controversial questions ever. Now, I stuttered at first because I did not have the full answer. And that, again, and, 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 and also that leads me to another point, which is don't be embarrassed to tell people I don't know now. I'll ask and I'll come back to you. I just don't have the answer for you now i don't know it do not be embarrassed to say i do not know a lot of unfortunately a lot of brothers and sisters out there who are trying to tell people about islam when they get stuck with a question that they're not familiar with or they don't know the answer to they're too proud to say i don't know and this is a problem because that what does that mean it means that if someone corners you in person and asks you a question and you don't know the answer to, and you wouldn't admit that you don't know the answer to, you're going to just tell them fabricated stuff. Or you're going to tell them what you think is right without verifying the truth. That is more dangerous than saying, I don't have an answer for you. Actually, when you say I don't have an answer for you, it's not dangerous at all. They're just going to know this person doesn't know everything like any other human being on earth. All the scholars that you see out there, they do not have, believe it or not, they don't have an answer for everything. Sometimes they forget. Sometimes something slips. And that's the reality of human nature. The only person who had... And let me. Why are we going so far? Let's go to the Prophet The Prophet was asked by who? By a bunch of rabbis in the beginning of Islam. Tell us. Now he was still a fresh prophet, right? Like later on, the Prophet had the answer to everything in Islam. That's why when he passed away, the companions felt so empty because if they're disputing about something, they don't have... Now, they can get to conclusions from the Quran and the Sunnah, but they didn't have the clear-cut answer, straight-up answer from the Prophet because he wasn't there anymore. So that left some sort of emptiness. Because the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who gave the Prophet all the knowledge he had? It's Allah. Allah gives us our knowledge. The source of knowledge is Allah. You understand that? This is not debatable. So when the Prophet passed away, they don't have that convenient answer right you know, uh, in front of him, like, you know, they always used to go to the Prophet and ask him, hey, this happened, this happened, what do you think, O Prophet of Allah? He would give them the verdict immediately. Not from his own, you know, self or his own opinion, based on what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, told them and inspired him to say. So, now the Prophet in the beginning of Islam, in the beginning of preaching Islam, what happened is, um, he, uh, a bunch of rabbis came to him and they asked him a question. Tell us about the soul. What is the purpose of the soul? What is the what is the source of the soul? Tell us. Explain the soul to us. And the Prophet said, "What? No worries. Come back tomorrow. I'm going to give you the answer, knowing that Allah will back him up." See, he didn't say, "I know it," and then he came up with something. He's like, "Oh man, I'm I'm cornered now. What am I going to do? They they're going to think I'm not a prophet. Let me just give him an answer and right now." No. The Prophet immediately said, "Come back tomorrow." And I will let you know, knowing that Allah will inspire him. However, look at this. Number one, the Prophet was so sure. And this is, again, he's, again, a fresh prophet. 
He's still not seasoned yet, right? He's a human being, the best of mankind, but still a human being. So the mistake he made is he didn't say inshallah. He so confidently said, I'll have the answer by tomorrow. Just come back tomorrow. No worries. Then Allah didn't send any uh, revelation to the Prophet ﷺ. Jibreel did not come down. And now the rabbis come. And the Prophet ﷺ does not have an answer. He said, just, just wait a, a little bit more. Do you understand? Why? Do not get too proud of your knowledge. Don't think, oh, I know everything. It, actually, the Prophet ﷺ didn't even do that. He just thought, Allah will send me the answer immediately, right? No. You have to humble yourself. And the Prophet ﷺ, again, he was not seasoned in the beginning. And the Prophet ﷺ understood the message. Later on, actually, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered his questions. Like we said, that uh, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed that do not ask about the soul. They had other questions too. But uh, when they asked about the soul, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, no one will know the secret of the soul until the day of judgment. And guess what? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was truthful as usual. No one until now can unlock the mystery of what is a soul. What 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 is it made of? How does it work? No one knows and no one will ever know until the day of judgment. But then they asked a lot of like what is the food that you know the people of of, of Jannah of paradise will eat? What is and there was a lot of questions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala basically answered all of them except for the soul. So again I want to go back to the knowledge. Don't be afraid to say I don't know because it is dangerous when you come up with your own facts and then people later on or people even it's even worse when people don't even know that what you just said was not real and they act upon what you told them and it's completely wrong you know and that's why we should verify from more than one source and all these things so knowledge 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 there's no preaching islam without knowledge you know there's no educating people again non-muslims and some muslims alike without knowledge it's that simple. Knowledge is everything when it comes to, to educating people on Islam, when it comes to preaching. Now, the level of knowledge, like we said, differs. You don't. Some people want to uh, study um, basic things. Like I said, they just want to study basic Islam and go preach Islam to, like, basic Islam to people. Like, for example, there's only one God. You have to worship one God. Okay, what's your proof? And then... We start giving them proof. Like you tell them, for example, uh, you know, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us in a book that was obviously revealed and sent by God, even though if you don't believe in it, you cannot deny the miracles in it, that there is only one God. Right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, it's it's how could there be more than one God? Logically speaking, it doesn't make sense. You know, the ship that has two captains sinks. Like, how could you expect more than one God to make a decision regarding this universe? What if they fight? What if they contradict each other? Well, some might say, well, they're gods. They're never going to fight. So what's the problem? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. If there are gods who are making the same, multiple gods, logically speaking, who make the same decisions, agree on everything, what is the purpose of having multiple gods? If it's... If they make the decision as one, if they act as one, if they never disagree, then it makes sense that it's only one God. And by the way, here's something philosophically interesting. If we have, if we ever had multiple gods, let's say, if we had multiple gods, that means someone created those gods. Some higher power created those gods. They don't just exist. But it makes more sense, again, philosophically, that the one who was never created, nor you know, had any associates, to be one. Makes sense. Oneness. Monotheism. God is one. He was not born. He was not created. He doesn't have children. He doesn't have spouses. He doesn't have family members. One and one only. A perfect being. A perfect being that is not susceptible to corruption. It's not susceptible to injustice. You cannot compromise that being. One single being that is in charge of everything and 
everything around us, everything involving our lives, everything involving our, this universe, this existence, when the sun sets, when the sun rises, you know, how the movement of the, 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 the planets around the sun, the movement of the moon around the earth has to be one in control and one only who does not report to anyone because he is the highest. He's the highest being ever. That is it. Logically, wallahi, I'm just saying, philosophically speaking, it makes perfect sense. You know, one of the uh, uh, the um, one of the, the companions, uh, he was debating with people who, who were basically disbelievers, mushriks, uh, people who committed shirk. And he was supposed to go debate with them about the religion. So he came a little bit late. Then he went to them and he said something very strange. They said, why, why are you late? What happened? He said, I saw something very strange. They said, what? He said, I saw a ship that's sailing without a captain. No one is, is driving that ship. No one is sailing it. It's just sailing on its own. Then it keeps on stopping. And and, and then, it, so there are specific stops, like specific harbors. It stops. I kept following that ship with my, you know, he was riding a horse. And then people take some goods. So it's basically, a, you know, a commercial ship, right? And people take goods from it. And then the ship keeps going on its own. It's like an autopilot, basically. Of course, the people said, there's no way what you're describing actually happened. He stood up and he said, thank you. You just made my case. Because simply is, you're trying to say that this universe is being driven for those who don't believe that God exists in the first place. By no one and nothing. The flow of the rivers, the spinning of the moon around earth, the spinning of earth around, you know, the sun. All these things are just random. Same like the ship. No one is driving the ship and it keeps stopping, making logical, calculated stops. So you guys literally proved my point. So you see... You need to understand. So some people want to teach people that basic knowledge in Islam, which is God exists. Worship God alone. Do not worship any associates because God has no associates. And follow the commands of the prophet. Simple, plain and simple. And when people ask him, you know, they, they tell them that's what you're supposed to do. And they try to give a good argument and tell them, give him actually a logical argument on how and why should they do that. Now, there are other people who would take it a little bit deeper and study a little bit more because let's just face it. Let's face it. Not everyone that you'll talk to will be quiet and just listening. A lot of people, and actually the majority of people that I talk to about Islam, they have further questions. So why? So why? Why do you think your religion is special? And then we start talking. Why do you think that Jesus is not the son of God? Then I, alhamdulillah, like I gave him a lot of, issues and flaws in the bible and well i had many many gatherings with uh, christians and talking just about the problems with the bible and how does it make sense that jesus is god and a human at the same time we talked about this wallahi many times alhamdulillah and it's all coming from how deep do you want to go not everyone you'll tell them god is one you should worship god they're going to be like oh, okay all right thank you no they will have further questions. So my advice to you, try to learn as much as you can so you can answer questions, so you can defend your religion when people you know, put it in a stereotyping box, when people accuse your religion of something that's obviously not true, when people ask you controversial questions, why does your religion allow polygamy? Why? I've seen many brothers and sisters stutter when they're asked that question. They're like, oh, because God said it's halal, that's it. It's a big deal, yes, God, because that, from, from, from a Muslim perspective, when God said something, when Allah said something is halal, we take it for, you know, when we're verifying that this is halal, we don't question. However, non-Muslims don't believe in our God. They don't believe in Allah. So how are you going to respond to that? You have to logically talk to them. And this is, you know, again, I'm still in the phase of knowledge, gain information. Gain an authentic Don't be lazy My dear brothers and sisters Please So don't just gain knowledge Verify that that knowledge that you're gaining is true Is authentic Is real Is not just 
again, a complete fabrication, right? So that is key. Also gain knowledge when it comes to uh, other religions. Uh, like I said, we were debating, uh, me and some Christians, regarding the Bible. And that requires you to read some of the Bible. Nobody wants you, was asking you to study the Bible, but study certain things, the problematic stuff in the Bible. Because that also, if you're trying to preach uh, uh, Islam to a Christian who is a practicing Christian, that's going to be a problem. That happened to me too. Again, this is like I said, these are all things that happened to me. So, for example, Alhamdulillah, I I had the 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 you know two friends who are Mashallah now, uh, you know, became our sisters in Islam, and they basically you know we were sitting down for months talking about Islam and talking about the Bible because they were Christians. And I studied, you know, certain chapters in the Bible just to, again, address their questions, right? About Jesus and the nature of Jesus and all these things. And it worked, alhamdulillah, and they became, now they are Muslims, right? However, they brought me a, a third sister who is now a sister. But like when she came, she was a devout Christian. You know, she was Catholic. She was really well versed in the Bible. So when I started saying stuff, she had responses immediately and then i say something else and then she has responses immediately and all these things so what happened is i started studying the bible more so i said you know what let's just stop our sessions give me two weeks uh, and let's let's you know let's uh, uh get together again and talk about it she said okay no problem and uh, so i started in these two weeks studying the bible from again do not look when you're reading the bible or re reading other any type of like you know other faith right or other belief don't be snarky don't be like i'm better than this or don't be like oh, look at what they're saying here don't do that right look at it from the perspective of the person who believes in these things and see the logical flaws in it because at the end of the day the Bible or the multiple versions of the Bible that are made now are made by humans. There are elements of the true Bible, the true Injil that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent, but they took it and then they switched it, fabricated it, modified it, added to it, subtracted from it, and then they present it as, you know, the holy book, right? However, these flaws, when humans write a book, there are it's definitely filled with flaws. Unlike the Quran, not a single flaw because it's purely purely made by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purely this whole book is created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know so no one a lot of people wallahi tried a lot of people tried to find flaws in the Quran and no one can however you can find flaws in the Bible logical flaws you know historical flaws all these things uh, because again it's it's mixed with human you know uh, addition or editing or whatever so I started looking at the book I was re taking it very seriously and I found a lot of flaws, you know, and we mentioned a lot of these flaws uh, in this podcast, right? So I started sitting down with her and telling her, and she was like, yeah, but Jesus is half God and half human. So it's okay for him to, you know, uh, be uh, act like a human sometimes. Because I was like, why would Jesus act like a human if he's a God? Why would he use the bathroom? Why would he eat? Why would he drink? Why would he walk on earth with his fellow, you know, uh, Christians at the time? Why would he do that? His disciples, why would he do that? And she's like, well, because he's half a God and he ha he's half a human. He's trying to show people example of how to become a human. Then that concept itself is, is flawed because, number one, why would you want to show people how to be humans? They are already humans. They don't need to learn how to be humans. So a God transforming into a human is, to me, does not make any sense. And I was talking to her that way. And it's you have to be respectful. And that's another thing that we will talk about. You have to be respectful to other people who have different beliefs. Don't be disrespectful. Don't be, like I said, don't think you're better than them. Even this is in the Quran. In the chapter of An'am, verse number 108, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said what? وَلَا تَسُبُّ مِن Do not curse and make fun of those people who call someone else but God. This is, it shows you mannerisms. Because when you do this, they're going to think badly of your religion. They might even curse your religion back. Don't do that. Have some manners when you're talking to people about the religion. Be respectful. Be Wallahi, you'll never get to people. You'll never get them to listen to you 
if you're not sincere with them and if you're not taking them seriously. If you're talking to a Christian and in your head, in the back of your head, you're saying, oh, I can't believe they're believing that Jesus is God. Oh my God, this is ridiculous. I can't, this is, this is nonsense. This is, oh, how, how could human, normal human, if you keep saying that to yourself, they're never going to take you seriously. They're never going to listen to you because you think to yourself, this is even not worth my time. This is just, you know, illogical for them to do that. And you won't give it your best. Understand that these are people that were born into this religion. Now, some of them might see the truth and be lazy, but some of them think that is it is the true path. No one is denying that, by the way. That's why they are called in the Quran the misguided. The misguided. This is in the, by the way, the chapter of Fatiha, the first chapter you all recite in the, during Salah. The end of the chapter, Wala Dalin. The word Dalin means the misguided. Talking about the Christians. This is straight up to the Christians. The misguided. Why? Because many of them believe that they have the true religion. They are following the true religion. The Bible is not corrupted. So you need to understand that. Have a sincere conversation with them. Learn what they are believing in. Try to dissect it. So when I was talking to you know uh, to that sister back then, I said, "But why? Why does Jesus need to show us how to be humans? We are already humans. Like, how does that make any sense?" And 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 then she said, "Well." I don't know. It's just he wanted to. Okay, but why? God doesn't do anything randomly. And if if he's God, if if he announced that he's God, like okay, I get it. If if there's some sort of a uh, he's trying to disguise as a human being, even though it doesn't make sense because God disguising why to see what people are doing, he could see that from up there. He doesn't need to disguise. But let's say. Let's say, let's follow that scenario. If he wanted to disguise to, to, to disguise as a human being, but the fact that he's a god, you know, quote unquote God, was known to people. So he came later on. That is the story, right? When he was crucified again, quote unquote crucified, and then he was resurrected, and he told people, "Hey, I am a god." Now, the purpose of that did not make any sense. Why would you tell people that? Why would you die if you're a god and then get resurrected? To what purpose? And again, I ha- I know people will have an answer, and then I'm gonna have another answer, and we're gonna counter answers, and that's how it's supposed to work. Talk to me logically. You cannot go talk to people who do not believe in the Quran and tell them the Quran says this. You can't. They simply won't accept it because they don't believe in your Quran. However, one of the blessings that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gave us is the Quran is a logical book. Other religions, there are flaws, log- logical flaws. You know, the fact that Jesus Christ, uh, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with saying Jesus Christ. I'm going to get to that uh, also in this episode. When he found the fig tree, this is from the Bible, and he, he was hungry. Number one, why would God be hungry? Even if he's taken a human form, God is the one providing food. Like God should not depend on food. Do you understand? Like God should not depend on anything in this world because He created everything. So Allah should not be dependent on things He created, right? Should not be dependent on anything. Period. Because He is God. He is. He's supposed to be independent being. But according to the Bible, He was hungry, so He went to that fig tree. He saw a fig tree from a distance. He went to it. But then, when He got to the fig tree, what happened? He found out that the tree didn't have any figs in it. Now there's you know how many logical flaws in this in this this first part which is how did God how did he not know if he was God if he created that tree right if he's all knowing because that contradicts the bible itself when it says God is all knowing he knows everything that happens so how come he didn't know that this fig tree didn't have any figs in it number 1 number 2 when he got there and he did not find the figs he got angry and he made a dua basically a supplication against it and he said may no one ever eat from you again does that sound like god to you like and again this is my conversation with multiple christians him instead of him snapping his fingers if he was god 
and that figs will come out of you know will will come out of this tree and it will be filled with figs he gets mad about something he should have known about you know before getting close to the tree and then instead of like i said snapping his fingers and the tree will regrow all the figs he just got mad at it and said may no one ever curse uh, or may no, no one ever eat from you again and then she started seeing the logical flaws then we moved on from this point to something else and one of the things in the bible that says that jesus was tempted by satan now that's another problem because we know that god is the one who created satan satan is not an equal force to god like certain people are trying to you know uh, paint that picture satan is is a no, is a nothing he's one of god's creation uh and with the of course the major difference that satan was a fallen angel according to the christian faith we do not believe in that we believe that satan is purely a jinn and he's allowed to make mistakes and he's allowed to sin and disbelief because he has the freedom of choice and if you are trying to tell me that according to the bible satan who was created by god uh was able to tempt god which is jesus right do you know how problematic this is that God gets tempted by his own creation? That's very problematic. That is concerning. That diminishes the idea of what is a God, what is Allah. And again, we talked about a lot of things, a lot of things in the Bible that didn't just simply make sense. You know, Jesus never said actually in the Bible, even though it was written by uh, men, who could have easily added this, never explicitly said, I'm God, worship me. He always talks about that he prays to God. Now, why would a God pray to another God? I don't know. Why? It doesn't make sense, right? And again, it's stuff, and, and I want you to know this. And I'm not discussing here uh, the topic of Jesus Christ and, and the, 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 the issue of the divinity of Jesus Christ in the Bible. I'm just giving you an example of how to approach certain topics with non-Muslims. Non-Muslims won't believe in your book. You could take references from your book because our book, Alhamdulillah, tells you some logical things, right? Like one of the best verses that I took from the Quran, which subhanallah was incredible when I was debating with uh, uh, you know, a non-Muslim, it was regarding this. Uh, someone told me, uh, a Christian, told me that you know God is love, and 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 to them, God doesn't you know uh, you know hurt them. There's no fear. It's only a matter of love. We are the children of God, and God loves us. That's literally what he said. Because uh, ironically, he saw me. I, I met him, and I was going to Jummah, and I was afraid to be late. So I'm like, I have to go. I have to go. And he's like, Why are you so scared? It should be, you should be more relaxed. Your relationship with God should be, you know, less tense than this. It's all love. You guys are fearing God. But a God, he's our father. We're, we're his children, you know. So why are, you know, why do you stress that much? Look at this. I did not tell him our book says that. But this is what I took from the Quran. وَقَالَتَ الْيَهُودُ وَالنَّصَارُ the chapter of Ma'idah, verse number 18. Allah literally responds to this claim. Wallahi, wallahi, it was incredible when he told me this in that specific manners, there was like a light bulb. Like he saw my smile and he's like, why are you smiling? <laughs> well, he's like, why are you smiling? I was like, because I, I have a nice answer for you. And then I quoted this verse. And I said, this verse speaks logically. Again, I'm not going to tell him, well, in the Quran, God says this, because but logically. I took the verse and I applied it to him logically. I said, okay, so basically Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran the, Nasara, the Jews and the Christians They say we are the children of Allah And he's beloved and he will never hurt us But then you ask them This is in a verse in Chapter, uh, chapter Ma'idah verse number 18 Tell them why does Allah punish you When you commit sins And by the way the, the idea of being punished For sinning is in Judaism and Christianity So I said So I have a question for you my friend 
when you commit a major sin or a sin in general, you guys believe that you are going to be punished. You guys believe that if you're a bad Christian, doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not, if you're a terrible Christian, if you commit murder, if you do something evil, you shall be punished in hellfire. Am I right? He goes, yeah. So I told him, so where is the love in that? You're still being punished when you commit sins. So I don't see a lot of love here. You're still being punished, just like us. And he could not respond. And this is what Allah told us to tell them. Allah has literally tell us, tell them this. When they say, our relationship is based on love. That's it, nothing else. Like I said, a Muslim believes that fear and love and hope, those three things should be in terms of like our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We want to love doing what we do, but we're fearing his anger and wrath while having hope in his mercy. That is the simple formula for a Muslim to live by and in his or her relationship with Allah. Simple. Anybody else tells you, no, it's just love. You guys get punished. You believe in punishment. So how? what's that about? And it goes on and on and on. And accept the fact that you make mistakes. Don't be discouraged if you make a mistake or if you lose a debate. At the end of the day, we know that Alhamdulillah, our religion is the true religion. However, maybe the, you're lacking certain type of knowledge or maybe the way you were conveying your information was not convincing enough. Losing a debate should not discourage you. You understand? So again, when it comes to knowledge, first learn about your religion. And I would advise you to learn about the controversial topics. Alhamdulillah, in this podcast, we kind of addressed almost all controversial, I mean, I don't know any controversial thing that we did not address yet, but we, the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, multiple wives, the age of Aisha, the, 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 the incident with the Jews of Medina, uh, women and men in Islam, we just had that uh, talk, right? Uh, a lot of things, we, we, Basically, because our religion is a clear-cut religion and it's only, it only speaks the truth. So any controversy is fine. Now, however, people take controversy differently because, again, like I said, uh, depending on the time period, depending on, on the culture, people could reject certain things and you know, accept certain things. So it's your, you know, basically your job is to tell them, it doesn't matter what you feel comfortable with, like we said last time. Uh, you have to accept it if it's coming from Allah, but I'm going to explain to you that controversy. So learn about the controversies because you don't want people, especially some young Muslims, when they hear about this, they say, ah, this is a huge discouragement for me. I, I don't know. Like it's a turnoff for me. I don't know. So learn about the controversies. Again, it's not controversies in Islam. It's controversies to other people, right? Learn about those verses that they accuse Muslims of, you know, listening to and, and following uh, regarding violence and tell them, no, you guys don't know what these verses are about. You're taking them out of context and study that context. You understand? So equip yourself as if you're going to a battle, but it's an intellectual battle. You know, equip yourself with knowledge. Knowledge is your armor. Wallahi. Knowledge is your actual weapon against ignorance. Knowledge is everything. And again, learn about the other side. Learn about Christianity. Learn about Judaism. What they say about Allah. Uh, that doesn't make sense. Like in Judaism, they believe that God, uh, you know, regrets creating mankind. And, and he cries with the angels. And it's just some odd, bizarre stuff. And they believe that uh, Ezra or Udair is actually another son of God that, you know, that he's actually mentioned in, in the chapter of Baqarah. And again, learn about the people you are debating with and trying to convey and educate Islam to. I'm going to give you this example. Let's say that you're going, you want to build uh, a, a, a brand new building, but there are remnants of an old building. Of there is an old building that already exists there. You have to do what? Break it, you know, clean around it, and then build fresh. Right? That's what you're supposed to do. And for you to try to build on top of that building, everything will fail. Like it's just the whole, both buildings will be destroyed, and it's just not going to make any sense. That's the same thing when you're talking to any person who has a different belief. First, you have to make them understand that their belief is wrong. And you'll never be able to do that if you didn't read on their belief, right? So educate yourself before educating others. Then once you do that, then you can build fresh and you know build from the start, a clean slate, tell them what is Islam. So that is when it comes to knowledge. 
Number two is uh, mannerisms. My dear brothers and sisters, mannerisms matter. Wallahi, mannerisms matter. You know, you can't... And unfortunately, I know I know some people who, when they are preaching Islam to others, they're very rough, very rough, and they're very vulgar, and they're very like, what? What do you? You don't know what you're talking about, you guys. I can't believe you. You know. And uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala actually uh, told us in uh, in the chapter of Al Amran, verse number one ninety five. وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَضًّا غَلِيظَ الْقَلْبِ لَمْ فَضُّ مِنْ حَوْلِكَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing our Prophet sallallahu and telling him, if you were vulgar, if you did not have manners, if you were harsh, they would have left you, the people that you're preaching Islam to. They would have left you. No one would have listened to you. And that is my point when I said manners matter. When you are conveying Islam to somebody, whether they are Muslims, whether they are non-Muslims, it doesn't matter who they are. You're trying to educate people on Islam, right? Don't be too arrogant. And don't block yourself from listening to them. Be like, I know that what I'm saying is the truth, so I don't need to hear you. Like, I'm not saying that you would say these exact words, but you might act like it. And that is a problem. You cannot act like that. You cannot be like, yeah, okay, okay, I get, I get your point, but let me let me tell you mine. No. Manners. The Prophet ﷺ had the perfect manners for a human being. With non-Muslims and Muslims who made mistakes or who are asking about the religion. You know, the Prophet ﷺ had a smile on his face every time he talked to people about Islam. He had the best knowledge. You will never come close to the Prophet ﷺ, not even remotely close. But he was humble. You should be humble too. Humble yourself when it comes to conveying the religion. Well, in general, when you're talking to people, just be well-mannered. It's that simple. Look, Wallahi, I know someone, and it's not backbiting because none of you know who, know who he is. When talking about non-Muslims, uh, when talking about LGBT, for example, he's like, uh, this is wrong You know Muslims should not be part of the LGBT This is the, the haram This is 100% haram And it's a major sin Yeah we know that But whether you like it or not There are Muslims out there Who are part of the LGBTQ community Whether you like it or not There are Muslims who are straight And doing you know haram stuff Committing adultery with the opposite sex Whether you like it or not There are Muslims out there Who drink alcohol Whether you like it or not There are Muslims out there Who gamble Whether you, you, you like it or not There are Muslims out there Who commit murder It happens Don't say Muslims shouldn't Yes they should not But be patient And listen to them You know the idea That I'm not going to listen to a Muslim Because he is uh, an alcoholic Or he's from the LGBTQ This is ridiculous and I, I remember I tried to talk to that brother many times and unfortunately so far no results but may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know guide him and guide us to you know have better manners when talking to even you know like I said even Muslims and like I know the same person who talks when he talks to non-Muslims like well our religion is the true religion and no one will listen to you like that Wallahi no one will listen to you like that and I want you guys to, whoever's interested in, in talking to people about Islam, be well-mannered. Because you want people to want to listen to you. You want people to understand the religion wanting to, not because they feel forced or because they're like, they feel intimidated by you. No one will ever listen to you when they're intimidated by your behavior or your manners. Be nice to Muslims and non-Muslims. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us this in the Quran. Don't deviate and don't think you're better than them. Alhamdulillah, we have the better aqidah, the best aqidah, the only truthful aqidah. Yes. Yeah, be happy. You're allowed to be happy that you're a Muslim. Absolutely. It is an honor. And wallahi, we are saved if we follow Allah's commands. We're not just automatically saved for being Muslims. Just don't want to make that clear. But inshallah, we will be saved. Inshallah, if we repent, if we follow Allah's commands, if we follow the commands of the Prophet however, you can save others instead of making fun of them, instead of degrading them. So don't be like that. Do not act like that. 
You know, not everything is haram. Not everything is halal. Have an open mind. If you ask people to have an open mind, because you talking to others about Islam is what? You're asking non-Muslims to have an open mind. Am I right? So you should have an open mind as well to their perspective, to their belief. And when you have an open mind, you know you have the truth. But you have to convey it in a polite, respectful way. Respect the people you're talking to. If you don't show respect, they won't listen to you. So manners matter. You know, the Prophet was it's beyond known, like was well known with his manners. This is what Allah said in the Quran. If you had bad manners, no one would have listened to you. But people listen to you because of your manners. This is what Allah is saying about the Prophet And we should learn from that. By the way, when it comes to preaching Islam, the Prophet is our role model. There's no doubt. When it comes to everything, when it, you know, the behavior in life, uh, being a human being, our Prophet should be our role model, but specifically when it comes to conveying the message to people. Um, be just. Don't take sides. Like if if and 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 you know, I'll tell you a very wonderful story. Subhanallah, Ali ibn Abi Talib, when he was the ruler of the Muslims, the the fourth of the caliphates, uh, the rulers of the Muslims, right? Uh, there was a Jewish person that stole his armor. You know, his armor was. Uh, I think he left his armor somewhere in public, and then someone came and took it. So Ali later on saw that armor on that Jewish person, or saw it in his possession. So he said, this is my armor, by the way. So the Jewish guy said, no, 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 this is my armor. Ali said, "I um, look, the cuts, and it's, it's definitely mine. Now, Ali was the ruler of the city. He was the ruler. Today's rulers, what would they do? Go to prison. Take it from him by force. Not Ali. Look what Ali ibn Abi Talib did, the cousin of the Prophet He said, let's go to a judge. Can you imagine? The ruler of the Muslims, the ruler of that city, of that government that a a Jewish person used to live in, said, let's go to a judge and he will decide. Not, oh, this is mine and you have no say. No, no, no. This is the ruler. It's like the president, you know, saw that you stole something. You are one of the public or one of the people. And he's like, instead of taking it from you by force or letting, you know, his 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 guards or the pe- police come and grab you, he said, let's go in court in front of a judge. And that's exactly what happened. So Ali goes, and then the man goes with, with the armor in front of a Muslim judge. So, of course, because it was a Muslim land, a Muslim country, a Muslim government. So the judge was Muslim. Now, what would you think, and again, based on today's world standards, you have Ali who is the, go- the, 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 the the head of the government, the, the the leader of the Muslims, the even more than a president, because the president is the president of a country. Ali was the ruler of the Muslims in various countries. He they reported to him. So you have the president, let's say, of the country, who is Muslim, and you have the judge who is also Muslim, and the president of the country is claiming Ali is saying, "This is my armor. I recognized it," and that Jewish person does not want to give it to me. And he basically stole it from me and he said, I'm not going to give it back. So usually when you are the one pressing charges, you need to have, according to the Islamic law, witnesses. Okay? So you need to have witnesses. If he, Ali, could prove his case with witnesses, he will take the armor. If Ali could not prove his case, so basically the Jewish guy did not have to prove his case. Because he was the one being, you know, the claim was being filed against. So the judge said, okay, Ali, where are your witnesses? You need two witnesses, by the way. Where are they? So Ali said, okay, I have. My servant knows my uh, um, my armor. So he is a witness. And my son recognizes my armor as well. So these are my two witnesses. So what did, does the judge say? He said, your, your servant is fine. However, your son cannot be a witness because it's a conflict of interest. And Islamically speaking, your children cannot be used as your witnesses. So the judge says, find another witness. Your son cannot be a witness. So Ali could not find anyone who recognized that specific armor. 
the just said, then the armor belongs to the Jewish man. Now, think about this for a second. Two Muslims, both in power. One is the leader of the country, and one is the ruler of the court. He is the head of the court. It's his decision that matters. Both Muslims. And one normal, average citizen who is not even a Muslim. The Muslim judge judges in favor of the average non-Muslim. Subhanallah, the guy looks at both of them. He's in disbelief. Because when he went to court, he's like, yeah, I lost this already. I know I'm going to have to give back the armor. And the guy is he's speechless. And he recognized this is Islam. The guy did not leave the court before he took the shahada, my dear brothers and sisters. He gave back the armor. He took the testimony of faith and became a Muslim because he could not believe the amount of justice that Islam provides. Nobody had to preach Islam to him. Nobody had to talk to him and convince him about Islam. He saw the actions of Muslims and how they are following the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the commands of the Prophet This is a true religion, he said. This is a true religion. This is a just and a perfect religion. He became a Muslim. So the whole dispute went from, uh, you know, uh, stealing an armor, this is my armor, no, this is mine, to someone became a Muslim because of that situation. It is th- this is what we have to learn as Muslims. Be the best you can be. Become what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet told you to become as a citizen. In a, in a Muslim land and in a non-Muslim land as well. Let people love Islam through you. And it will be easier for you to talk to them about the religion of Islam. So manners matter. Also, patience. A lot of people when they preach Islam... They expect the people in front of them to fall in love and convert immediately. That is absolutely not the case. Be patient. Some people will be convinced. Some people won't. This is the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some people see the light and they go towards it. Some people just want to stay in darkness because it's more convenient. You're not going to change people's hearts. This is up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is telling you, you only, or your, your only job is to send the message, convey the message. What comes, you know, the outcome, the results is not up to you. It's up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look what happened with the Prophet and his uh, beloved uncle, Abu Talib. His uncle died as a mushrik, as a disbeliever. The most beloved uncle he ever had. Died as a disbeliever Because Allah, Allah SWT said You cannot guide whomever you want Allah is the one who guides Okay, so how does that work? Allah knows the hearts of people This is according Allah Allah knows what's in the heart And you just convey the message And according to your heart Depending on how pure And if your heart wants the truth Allah will guide that person Or guide you You know all you have to do is just convey the message. Be patient with the results. Some people are like, oh, they're not becoming Muslims. Oh, they're not being convinced. And they lose their patience. And that affects their ability to, again, show them or you know convey to them, those people, proper uh, Islam. Because they're anxious. They want to get this over with. No. I know that we all want, you know, to gain the rewards of, you know, educating people about Islam. However, it might never happen because you're just not patient enough. Be patient. You know, some people will test your patience. People that you're trying to educate them about Islam. Again, Muslims and non-Muslims. So so why is that? Okay, so tell me about this. Oh, so explain to me this. You know what? Mm, I'm not convinced. Convince me more. Some people lose their patience and they give up. Well, then you lost that test then it's that simple. The person that could potentially, and again, not everyone, that you will try to you know, educate uh, about Islam will become a Muslim. 
But do your best and do it the right way. Do it the way that the Prophet ﷺ did, which is be patient. Well manners, of course, coming from knowledge, good manners. Don't have just don't have some expectations, but don't, you know, don't let those expectations disappoint you when people just take longer or ask for more questions or even not become like don't get frustrated because this is something you're doing it for the sake of Allah. For the greater good, for the benefit of the person you're talking to. You're trying to save them by, you know, giving them at least to ultimately go into paradise. And and if you're doing this with like anxiousness and you're like you're impatient and you're like, I just they're, they're taking forever. No, that's not the attitude of a Muslim when you're conveying a message of Allah. Be patient. People are different. If you were convinced with a specific ruling or a specific command easily and quickly, some might not. Some might wallahi, like people I could talk to people about a specific ruling for maybe more than a year, and I'm talking about Muslims here, who are not convinced with this, even though the evidence is there, but they're like, I don't know, I can't do it, I'm just trying, I don't know. And it takes a while, and then some of them eventually accept it, some of them don't. This is not up to you. All you have to do is convey the message with authentic knowledge and good manners, and then that's it. Be patient. Be patient. And that takes me to the final part which is sincerity do it for the sake of allah do it for the sake of allah yes it's it's there's nothing wrong with wanting rewards of course that's what we do everything in this life right but don't do it to brag you know like oh i'm teaching everyone islam you know don't, don't do it to brag you know if someone comes to me wallah and this happened a lot and they tell me uh we love your podcast it's very beneficial alhamdulillah the, my only response is, this is from Allah, which is the truth. I'm not special. I'm special that Allah chose me, you know, among many other millions of, of, of Muslims to convey his message in a specific way. The true message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the true commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the commands of the Prophet. This is an honor. This is a blessing and a privilege that I'm never taking for granted. Never. But don't be arrogant. Don't brag about like teaching people about Islam because Allah will take that away from you. Wallahi. Know that you're, and, and same goes as when you're paying zakah or sadaqah. When you're teaching people Islam, you are in need of them more than they are in need of you. Why? You are trying to help them to gain rewards. You know, when you make a non-Muslim become a Muslim, everything they do in the name of Islam, you're going to have a nice uh, portion of it. You know, in terms of rewards, you're going to have a cut from those rewards and that cut won't decrease from their cut. So, for example, you made someone became, uh, you know, like some brother or some sister become a Muslim. Now, they because you help them, and not, it's not going to be totally up to you. There are other factors, but you are one of these factors. When they go and they pray five times a day, you get some rewards of those prayers and they get the full rewards. So you getting some prayers does not decrease from their full rewards when doing the acts of worship. When they pay zakah, because you help them to understand that, you get some of these rewards without them uh, having any decrease in their rewards. Do you get it? Allah has, <laughs> Allah is generous, my dear brothers and sisters. Generous. Just do it the right way. You know, don't get frustrated. Don't get frustrated. Be patient and have sincerity. Do it for the sake of Allah. And at the end of the day, and this is something that we need to understand as Muslims, when you do something for the sake of Allah, you won't be disappointed because whatever the effort that you spend, even if the person does not become a Muslim, won't go unnoticed. Allah will put it in your rewards, in the hasanat, inshallah. So if you are getting rewards for you trying, why would you get frustrated? Why? Yeah, I understand that maybe you're a little upset that these people are not being, are not getting saved and they're not, you know, following the right path. But don't that let frustrate you because that means Allah knows better than you do. And that is always the case. So, again, educating people on Islam, uh, try to be sincere, just be yourself. Also, and, and this is really important, when you are trying to... Um, Talk to non-Muslims about Islam. You're trying to educate them on Islam. You have to speak their language. Now, again, let me let me repeat what I just said. 
when you're talking to non-Muslims, people who are not familiar with our, uh, you know, Islamic terms, people who can't speak Arabic, people who wouldn't, if you say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, wouldn't even know what you said, right? When you're speaking and talking to those people, you need to be sharp enough to pick up that they don't get a lot of Islamic terms. Maybe most of them, maybe all of them, they don't even understand. So speak their language. And I'm, the reason why I'm mentioning this, and I kind of, you know, this was alluded to in, in the beginning of the episode, which is, I've seen a lot online, and this, is, this happened to me, when I say Jesus Christ, I have people, you know, tell me you should not say Jesus Christ. His name is Isa, Prophet Isa, alayhi salam. Don't say Jesus Christ, say Isa. Because Jesus Christ, this is what Christians say. Newsflash. Jesus means Isa in Arabic. Christ means Al-Masih. Guess what? Al-Masih, Isa ibn Maryam, is mentioned in the Quran. So this is not just a Christian term. We have this term just in Arabic in the Quran. So there is nothing wrong with saying Jesus Christ. And I believe I addressed this before. But it's just, I feel like very interesting. Some people are really like, do not say Jesus. Well, lie. This is not, this didn't happen to me once or twice. It's been a lot. You know, many times that this happened. Jesus Christ is number one. Like, okay, when you're using a term, uh, like the Antichrist, for example, right? So the Antichrist is what we call in Arabic, Dajjal. Now, if you say Antichrist, there's, okay, this is, they, they call him the Antichrist because guess what? His name is also Al-Masih al-Dajjal. Again, his name is Al-Masih al-Dajjal, not Al-Masih al-Dajjal, because there's, there's some uh, big misconception or big common error that, you know, Arabs, they call the Antichrist Al-Masih. No, his name is Al-Masih al-Dajjal, by the way. Same as Al-Masih Isa. And the reason why he's called Al-Masih Because he's gonna you know, Wipe with his base He's gonna wipe all over earth Meaning he's gonna Yamsah Meaning he's gonna walk ev- you know, Everywhere on earth He's gonna go to every single location Every single spot Except for Mecca and Medina So the, we- the word Masih Is actually legit This is from the Hadith This is from the Sunan So when you say the Antichrist It's understood Okay at the jail Because one time I remember I was saying the Antichrist like, Brother don't, don't say the Antichrist that's what the Christians, you know, say. Say the Dajjal. I'm like, okay, so when, when, number one, there's nothing wrong with the Antichrist. It's just a term, right? And it's kind of, you know, it's, 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 it's uh, aligning with what we call him, Al-Masih al-Dajjal. But also, when I tell a Dajjal to someone who does not know anything about the word Dajjal, someone who's interested in Islam... Uh, you know, a Christian or someone who's Jewish, just they don't know the word Dajjal. What am I supposed to explain? Well, Dajjal in Arabic means the Antichrist, just to let you know. I just use the Antichrist to explain to them what, do, like, you know, the, 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 the meaning of Dajjal. I had to use their term, speak their language. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, don't say, oh, Jesus, like you're saying, oh, God, or swear by Jesus. This is a different story. Nobody's asking for that. This is haram, 100%. I'm saying using certain terms like, you know, Jesus Christ, this is actually, there's nothing wrong with it. It's the same. So just speak their language. Don't be arrogant again to be like, they have to, they should speak Islamic terms. They don't understand it. They don't know it. So try to speak their language. You know, when I say the Antichrist, Muslims and non-Muslims know what I'm talking about. When I say the Jal, mostly Muslims know what I'm talking about. When I say Jesus Christ, Muslims and non-Muslims know what I'm talking about. When I say Isa ibn Maryam, guess what? Only Muslims know what I'm talking about. Or again, mostly Muslims will know what I'm talking about. And very minor, probably Christians who don't even speak Arabic will know what I'm talking about. And you want to educate people and you want to make them feel comfortable linguistically at least. And you know, don't just don't put an extra layer of pressure on them by refusing to speak their language. Thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.